right, so uh, we're going to be studying Psalm 139 today, so if you haven't already, uh, you might want to open to it. Okay, uh, here's going to be a brief little introduction to Psalm 139. Um, here's just a kind of an outline. This is what the psalm looks like, some of the things that we're going to consider uh, studying. So first three stanzas, so verses 1 to 6, 7 to 12, and 13 to 16, each one of those stanzas describes one of God's attributes. So we're going to be looking at that. Um, also, each stanza, even within each stanza, David has a mini response to, um, to that attribute of God. Um, and then in verses uh, 17 to 18, we have David's kind of summary response uh, to God's greatness. And then in verses 19 to 22, he has a second response to, uh, to God's greatness. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll look at that and see how that might differ from uh, what preceded it. And then the prayer ends, uh, the psalm ends with a humble confession um, and prayer. So here are some thoughts to keep in mind as we read and consider this psalm together. So the first is, what is the relationship between the characters in the psalm? So I want you to to think about that. And the second is, what would you say is the key word of this psalm? So um, so this uh, shout out to Grant from last week. This isn't a rhetorical question, but I want you to think about it as we're going through this. Um, And then here's a quote from Matthew Henry, just to kind of put things in perspective and give us kind of like a framework or a lens to look at this psalm. Some of the Jewish doctors are of the opinion that this is the most excellent of all the psalms of David, and a very pious meditation it is upon the doctrine of God's omniscience, which we should therefore have our hearts fixed upon and filled with in singing this psalm. All right, so let's actually, let's look at the psalm. So, to the choir master, a psalm of David. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Okay, so first question is, what characteristic of God is described here? Yes, we see a hand back there. Okay, and uh, you want to expand on that? You want to expand on that? Okay, uh, do I see another hand? Ronnie? I thought it was the word that Alpha was talking about, that God was the 
Dave. Dave. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So even though it's the very beginning of the Sunday school lesson, at least some people are paying attention. So that's that's a good sign. So yes, um, I think it does. Uh, I think it really speaks to um, God's omniscience. So. What does this reveal about God? Uh, I'm sorry? Oh, excellent, excellent. Yeah, well, it's the all-knowing God knows me. Yeah, Dave. great. Yeah, he does. I mean, if, if you kind of think about this, God's knowledge of me, he knows, you know, and again, this is, so this is David speaking, but I think this is one of those Psalms that applies to every one of us. He knows our movements. He knows our thoughts. He knows our actions. He knows our words. So, so again, he has this incredibly deep yeah, this, this all-encompassing knowledge of us. I mean, just look at these, look at these words. He, he doesn't just know us. He's searched us. He's discerned our thoughts. Um, so, again, so this reveals just a, a personal and an intimate knowledge of us. It's not God is just... Uh, you know, in, in unapproachable splendor, he knows everything about us. Um, and just you know, look at the look at the language. Look at how David is describing this. It's you know, you and me. Um, so this is this again. This is just uh, such a an in depth knowledge. God knows everything about us. I mean, he even knows the number of hairs on our head, which is, um, I'm sorry? Yes, yes, and hold that thought, because we'll, we'll actually be coming back to that um, uh, in, uh, as, as we look at the, the psalm later on. Um, so let's look at verse 4, uh, where he says, Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. So... How should this affect our speech? I heard some laughter here. I hope that was nervous laughter. Yeah, Tim? Yeah, so that's good, but... So should we just, you know, say what's ever on our minds or, no. yeah, Tim? Amen. Uh, Dave. 
can't say it. It's 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 a humbling thing, isn't it? That um, yeah. So I mean, yeah. Uh, you guys have brought up great points. I mean, here's just uh, just a sampling of scriptures. Uh, Tim talked about James chapter three about the you know, kind of the evils of the tongue. Um, that passage in Matthew says we will be called to account for every careless word that we've spoken. Um, Paul talks about it in Ephesians four twenty nine. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. And then just a couple verses later in chapter 5, he says, let no filthiness or, um, uh, or uh, it's about showing up. No, no filthiness or foolish talk come out of your mouth. Um, so, yeah, it, it's really something that, you know, you should be quick to hear and slow to speak. Um, and I, I need to hear that for myself. Um, yes. yeah, Teresa. Amen. Amen. That's that's a great way. That, that's a that's a great way to uh, to think about that. Um, so, next verse uh, or in verse five says, uh, "You, the Lord God, you hem me in behind and before, and lay your hand upon me." Um, so, what do you think about what do you think about that? God hemming you in, or in the in the King James, it said, "God." hedges us in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Ronnie, and then. That's right. That's right. Yep. Um, and Dave, did I see your hand up? Yes. That's right. And um, what I got from this, just uh, again, to kind of maybe encapsulate the thoughts for everyone, God's hand protects and guides us. You know, even in Psalm 23, he said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your rod and your staff, your protection and your guidance, um, they, uh, they comfort me. Um, so then let's talk about just God's surpassing knowledge or his uh, oh yeah Greg Regardless of our circumstances, because if we if we focus on our circumstances, we can get derailed. 
Uh, but if we know that God's hand is sovereignly guiding us, that, that again, that is uh, an amazing uh, comfort. Yeah, Rob. That's a great, that's a great insight as well. Um, so, how do we think about like almost the, the totality of of God's surpassing knowledge of us? Um, here's a just a couple of verses. Um, you know, in Job chapter 42, the, the context of this is for four chapters, God has just said to Job, "Where were you? Have you considered?" And Job says, "Well, these things are just." too wonderful um, for me. Um, you know, Psalm uh, 147.5. Oh, oh, here we go. I can do this. Um, so his understanding is beyond measure. And then there's this great, um, oops. Oh, there we go. You know, in, in Romans, at the end of chapter 11, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable his ways. Um, again, these are just a, a, just a sampling of some of the verses in, in Scripture. Yes, Rob. It's, it, it, in a sense, it's a one-way thing. God himself, is, his, he's infinite, he's incomprehensible. But on the flip side, he, someone said he knows us better than we know ourselves. Um, so, that's, um, so that's amazing. So how did David, so even in this stanza, how does David respond to this? Well, he talks about it, but there's even there's a response to the, even his description of this attribute of God. One of the verses. Uh, what, what do you what do you think verse? Which verse captures best his uh, his response? Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. You, okay, yeah. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Um, you know, I, it, is, it is high, I cannot attain it. So I think that gives us the proper response to God. And, and I think just in general, I think a lot of people don't have a high enough view of God. And I, I think that, you know, this psalm, even as we continue to go through it, will uh, help us, help guide us towards, um, towards a high view of God. So, yeah, so David responds in, in praise um, and worship. Okay, so here's the, uh, the next stanza, the next set of verses. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. So, what characteristic of God is described here? Yes? Uh, it's, it's close. It's close. Um, so, God is, 
he is all-powerful, and I want you to hold that answer for the next, the next set of standards. Um, but there's, there's another attribute of God. They're not all, we can't just put them each in little boxes. Uh, his God's attributes do overlap. Um, there's another O word that, that yes, Cindy. Omnipresence, right, God. So, yes, that's, that's great. So what does that reveal about God? Sorry? Speak. God is everywhere, right? So uh, another way to put that is the all-present God is with me. So um, now just a question for those, no, 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 for those who are 18 and under. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Not no, 18 and under, Rob. All right. If, so um, 18 and under. Who tried to flee from God's presence? Was that a, was that a, was that a, a, someone under eighteen who answered that? Okay. Oh yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. It was Jonah. So let's just look at Jonah just a little bit. And I like this because I like maps. But um, where's the mouse? All right. So Jonah was here. So where did God tell him to go? Remember, He tells him to go to Nineveh which is over here. So where does, where does Jonah go instead? Jonah tries to go to Tarshish, completely in the opposite direction. And if you think about this, at the time, that's probably close to the end of the known world. That's how far that Jonah wanted to go away from God. But you know what happens, right? So he goes in the ship, and there's a great storm. They throw him overboard. He gets swallowed, you know, by the great fish. And what does Jonah do in the belly of the great fish? Yeah, what does he do? Excellent. He prays. So think about this. You, you're trying to escape from God. You get thrown overboard, swallowed by a great fish, and you pray to God. Why would you do that unless you thought that God would hear you? Right? God is with us wherever we are in whatever circumstances we find ourselves. Yeah, Dave, you might want to just prop your arm up just the whole time, but yeah. It's like I said, there's, so you might say that there's a theme through this. There, there are different characteristics of God, but it's, yeah. So just keep that, keep, uh, keep that thought. Uh, let's see. So, oh gosh, no, no, so, right, right. So, um, so here's a, here's a quote from, uh, from John Arrowsmith, who's actually one of the, uh, uh, Westminster Divines, who I thought is kind of uh, captures uh, this. Um, he said, a, a heathen philosopher once asked, where is God? The Christian answered, let me first ask you, where is he not? So again, God, um, 
not only is God everywhere, no matter where we are, no matter what circumstances we think we can be in, God is there. But there is even a further assurance um, for those who are in Christ. Um, this is uh, Romans 8.38 and 8.39. Not only is God everywhere, but nothing can separate us from God's love. So, yes. So, I, I think mm, I think there's uh, well. Uh, so the thing is, is if God is everywhere, that means He's also in hell. I'm not so sure that His glory is present in hell. His His justice um, and His righteousness is on display there. But, like, but as opposed as opposed to heaven, where His glory is on display, such that just the train of his robe fills the heaven, and there's no need for a sun or the moon because the light, the brilliance of his glory is more than sufficient uh, to light everything up. So, uh, Pastor. Yes, yeah, I think that, yeah, that, that, that's a good way to, I, and I've, I wrestled that. I've actually had to ask Matthew that very same question. If, if God is everywhere, is he really in hell too? So, and even in this stanza, where would you say that um, David has, you know, how does he respond? Well, he does respond in worship. So if you look at uh, verse 10, even, even wherever I am, I can't, I can't go anywhere without your presence. But wherever that is, your hand shall lead me and your right hand, which is the hand of blessing, uh, shall hold me. So, yeah, he does respond with worship. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though there might be times that we might want to, but we can't do it. Yes, yes, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you, Jay. Dave. That's, uh, uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, so let's, let's go on to the next section of, of the psalm. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Uh, so that's kind of amazing. So can we just, just stop here? I, I mean, 
I think this is probably the most succinct and clearest biblical teaching against abortion. I'm sure there are a lot of other places, but I think this really um, encapsulates it. Okay, um, so what characteristic of God is described here? And, and yes, it's another O word. Yes. Yes, it is. It is. But just think about how God made us. Right? Um, so this, you know, if you think about it, I mean, God is omnipotent, which means he is all-powerful. He formed me. Um, and so we're going to look at just some of the some of the words in here, which are um, which are kind of uh, which are kind of important. Um, so he formed my inward parts. So um, actually, the Hebrew for that is his kidneys. Um, but what's significant about that is not just that you know he formed our fingers and our toes and our hair and our internal organs, but the kidneys were the center of the emotions. So. God formed our personality, not just our parts. So, which is um, amazing. And there's kind of this thread is he's omniscient. You know, he knows everything about us because he formed us. Um, so, and let's look at how he did that. There's a couple of really interesting words in here. He knitted me together in my mother's womb and I was intricately woven. Um, especially that, the, 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 for the word that's uh, yeah, translated as intricately woven, that's the Hebrew for embroidered. So God embroidered, and I know we have uh, people in here who, who like to knit, but that's how God made us, and not just, um, not just our parts, but he made our personalities. He, he wove us intricately. He embroidered us. Uh, excuse me. Um, so there's, a, there's another instance of this in the Bible, which I thought was, was kind of interesting. Um, uh, Bezalel and Aholiab, God gave them his spirit to do all the furnishings for the temple and to embroider um, the, the hangings for the temple. I mean, I'm sure that they were amazing, but does not compare in the least to what God did in making each one of us, even the ones who have, you know, hopefully just a couple days before they, they show up. Um, yeah, 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 Mike.
Um, and if we think about the, the, the last uh, couple of verses um, in the previous stanza where it said um, there's no difference between light and darkness to God, um, Calvin has this quote, but God makes the most perfect work of all in the dark, for he fashions man in the mother's womb. So we could probably spend a lot of time on verse 16 here. Um, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. So what, is, what does that verse um, say about God? Yes, Rob. Yeah. I mean, there is, we're not a haphazard collection of molecules. Right? God has determined for every person who's ever lived, every person who's currently living, and every person who will live the number of days. And he created each of their personalities. He knows for every single one of them, he knows their movements, their thoughts, their words. It's just, it's just mind-boggling. Um, here are just a, a couple of um, yeah, a couple of passages that that talk about this. Um, Psalm thirty-one: God has, has numbered our days. Um, Jeremiah twenty-nine: God knows the plans that He have for you. Well, how would He know those plans, the plans for your future, unless He had already figured it out? It's not just, oh, I'm going to make them and, and see what happens. No, God has already planned out each one of our futures. Um, and in Acts 17, uh, Paul talks about God has made allotted times for all the people of all the nations. Um, and then uh, Ephesians, ah, pulls them out. So, um, so we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined Someone, uh, might have been Rob, said that we've been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So, yeah. Amen. That's, uh, yeah, Rob. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like we, we can't put them into the little little boxes or, or categories. Um, they 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 blend in a way that's um, that, that's beyond our mere comprehension. Yes, Scott. Absolutely. Ab yeah, David. Yeah, we're, we're trying to describe the indescribable, I think, is what you're. Uh, yeah. Time has no beginning and no end for God, which I, I can't think about that for more than a couple seconds or my head would explode. But, um, right, so, so once again, um, how, does, how does David respond to, uh, to this? Which, you know, which verse do you think captures his response? Yeah, definitely. Um, verse 14, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, here's a quote from uh, George MacDonald, which I think uh, encapsulates this, this idea that um, even that, that Dave's getting at. Uh, he said, I would rather be what God chose to make me than the most glorious creature that I could think of. For to have been thought about, born in God's thought, and then made by God is the dearest, grandest, and most precious thing in all thinking. So, the next two verses. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Um, so I think these verses, this is kind of a uh, David's summary response to God's attributes of omniscience, uh, omnipresence, and omnipotence. So let's look at the, like, the preciousness of, um, of God's thoughts. Here are uh, a couple, uh, just a couple of scriptures. Um, in Psalm 40, you have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. And in uh, Isaiah 55, whoops, for your thoughts, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. So are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts uh, than your thoughts. Um, and then Paul writes in Ephesians, um, pray that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So, I mean, I just got to stop here. It's like, you know, what, how blessed and privileged are we to awake, to even awaken that even when we go to sleep, 
when we wake up to know that God is still thinking about us. Um, uh, you know, our, our thoughts of God, they, oh, yeah, yeah Jay. And, like, our thoughts of God, they, they place us near him. They keep us near him. And, like you said, when we, you know, when we confess, um, they restore us to him. Um, so how, sh how should we respond to this? <laughs> More worship. More worship, yeah. So here's, here's a quote from Spurgeon that I think really um, uh, captures this. Uh, when we remember that God thought upon us from old eternity, continues to think upon us every moment, and will think of us when time shall be no more, we may well exclaim, how great is the sum of Jesus. Yeah, I think that's, um, I think that's great. So... But again, it's, as, as, as David said, we have to use limited human terms to be able to, you know, to describe God. Um, yeah, he also said old eternity. Well, etern you know, it's the, that's, you know, that's kind of an oxymoron, but it's the, you know, it's the thought of he has always thought about us, and he will always thought, think about us, which is uh, just incredible. So the psalm kind of reaches a crescendo here, but so how would we summarize the, you know, the, the psalm up to this point? No, All right, raise your hand. <laughs> that, excellent. That, that's excellent. Yeah, Rob. Yeah, and, and our minds should be blown. Um, they really should be blown. Um, uh, any other, uh, any other? Y yeah, Mike.
Right. Right. Um, Chris? That's excellent. There was a hand, yeah, Grant. Excellent, excellent. John? I, that ties in exactly with what Grant said about imminence. You know, Emmanuel, God with us. Yeah, amen. And I think that sometimes when we think about God with us, look at the language of this psalm. It's not, David isn't saying this isn't a corporate thing. You know me. You know when you know, when I, it's a very personal thing to get back to what, um, to what Mike said. Um, yeah, that's, that's great. So, and please, this is not a rhetorical question. If you were writing this psalm, how would you continue? Yeah, David. Okay, okay, uh, all right, so, but David doesn't do that, so let's talk, let's look about where David goes from here. Okay, verses 19 and 22. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Okay, David didn't skip right from verse 18 to verse 23. So what do we make of this? Dave.
Cynthia. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, was there another hand over it, Tim? <laughs> God knew it, though. There was hands over here, okay, Jay, and then. All right, so let's. Oh, yeah, so. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Was there a hand over here? I know there's, uh, okay, maybe not. Okay, Chris?
definitely. And uh, you know, kind of the, the question that that's that we've been that we've been talking about: Can we really love God without hating evil? And uh, Kathy, and then Greg. Absolutely. And Greg? You know, that's, that's excellent. So here's just, a, you know, a couple of thoughts and verses. Um, Proverbs 8.13 is, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. Um, and then there's a, you know, um, also um, Psalm 69.9, uh, for zeal for your house has consumed me. And this was actually said of Jesus as he cleansed the temple um, in John chapter 2. Um, you know, also there's a couple other verses. Uh, Mark 3, 5, and he, Jesus, looked around at them, the Pharisees, with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. Um, this is when he, he healed the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath, and yet the Pharisees were, you know, had such hard hearts. Um, and then if you look at Matthew 23, the, the seven woes of the scribes and Pharisees. I mean, Jesus was so upset with them because they elevated their rules and, and their practices above the word of God. So again, um, so that's uh, another place. And Cynthia brought this up before about Revelation. Um, when uh, John is describing the Ephesian church, he said, the Ephesians cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. Again, we can, you know, scripture is uh, is replete with examples of righteous anger. Um, so this this is a this is really a call um, to righteousness and and justice. Uh, is Jesus said, "Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness." Um, and we don't have time to go into it because uh, you guys are asking such great questions. But read Nehemiah chapter thirteen um, in particular and look at his actions just in the last chapter of Nehemiah. He was, he was um, throwing you know, furniture of, of non-Jews out of the temple because they profaned the temple. He shut the doors of, uh, shut the gates of Israel because people were working on the Sabbath and they were trading on the Sabbath. And he said, you profaned the Sabbath. And he punched and pulled the hair of those who married foreign women because you have, because they have profaned God's word. So just, that, that's a, an exercise um, 
uh, after class because we really were getting close to finishing up. Okay, so now we finally reach the end of the psalm. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So what does this reveal about God? Yes, Cynthia. Absolutely. Um, so God knows me better than I know myself. Um, someone, uh, someone said that uh, earlier uh, in the class, and that's so true. So here's a question that I have. Um, do we really want God to search us that deeply? I think someone else brought up that, that point. Um, I think Jay and maybe David did as well. It's like, uh, I don't think so. But um, if, if we're really thinking about it. But... Um, you know, because we're saying, search, search me, know my heart, know my thoughts, try me. It's like, um, we, um, so why is this such an audacious prayer? Yeah, Rob. Uh, that's true, uh, true. Uh, yeah, Jay. Uh, mm. Mike, did you want to add to that? Amen. That's awesome. Yeah, Chris. Yeah. Right, 
and, and I think that demonstrates true humility. Uh, Scott? So, actually, oh, shoot. Um, yeah, so if you look at those, those words, heart and thoughts, so if we go to Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? This is why we need God to do the, the actual examination. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Um, and if we also look at um, Hebrews chapter 4, uh, this is where the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. It discerns the thoughts and the intentions of the heart, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So again, this is, this is a pretty humble, uh, but it's, it's kind of a daunting request. Um, and if you look at uh, grievous, you know, see if there's any grievous way in me, um, that can also be translated wicked or actually an idol. So you're saying to God, is, are there any idols uh, in my life? So uh, review. Remember when Stephen Atkinson uh, preached here a couple weeks ago? Remember what he said? What was the first thing that you do to prepare for Passover? No, not quite. A little more specific. You know what he said that the first thing that you do? You need to find, whoops, I'm sorry. You need to find and destroy leaven. Okay, so I'm going to run a little uh, late, but what's the leaven in our lives? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we're just kind of, so um, in Matthew 16, the leaven is the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Um, in Luke 12, it's the hypocrisy of the uh, Pharisees, and in uh, 1 Corinthians 5, it's a leaven of malice and evil. So all of those things are, are leaven that we need to get rid of in our lives. Um, so this is a call to, uh, um, to humble confession and repentance. There's a couple other, uh, just, uh, uh, just a handful of um, uh, scriptures that talk about uh, examining ourselves, I'll just leave you with this, uh, this quote from uh, Henry Melville. He's a 19th century uh, English pastor. He was a contemporary of Spurgeon, uh, talking about these verses. The text is a prayer, and it indicates, as we think, three great facts in regard to the suppliant. For the first, that David thoroughly wished to become acquainted with himself. The second, that he felt conscious that God could see through all disguises. And the third, that he desired to discover, in order that by divine help he might correct whatsoever was wrong in his conduct. Now here's the warning. I call upon you to be cautious in using this prayer. It is easy to mock God by asking him to search you whilst you have made but little effort to search yourselves and perhaps still less to act upon the results of the scrutiny. So that's daunting. Uh, I think we're really late. I, I have a visual summary of the psalm. I don't know if you, if you want to... Okay. 
Okay, so verses one through six, what characteristic of God did we talk about in the, the first six verses? Omniscience, right? God knows me, so like he knows my thoughts. Um, verses seven to 12, talked about omnipresence. God is with me. He knows all my paths. Uh, verses 13 to 16, I think it was Tucker. What? God's omnipotent, right? He made me. He, he made my frame. So these lead to David's first response to God's greatness is worship. How, how precious are your thoughts? How vast is the sum of them? And then as we talked about the second response, whoops, is a longing for righteousness. And then he ends up humble confession and repentance. Deliver me from my unseen sin. And then as, as Greg pointed out, um, it, the first verse and the, and the last verse, they're linked together. What's the, if you had one word to summarize this psalm, what would it be? All right. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you so much that you know us better than we can even think of knowing ourselves, Lord. Uh, you are all-knowing. You are ever-present with us. And you have given us your Holy Spirit, Lord. Um, you have all power. You've made all things. You've numbered all our days. May we have a high, high view of you. Uh, and may that cause us to act in ways that are acceptable to you. And we pray this um, in the name of uh, the God-man, uh, Emmanuel, your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Good morning, Saints of Redeemer. It's uh, good to see everyone uh, here for our worship uh, this morning of Redeemer Presbyterian uh, Church, uh, those that are physically here and those that are uh, viewing online. Uh, as we studied in uh, Sunday school this morning, uh, we can often have a view of God as far off, uh, but as we were reminded, God is here with us now and, and with us individually. So with that in mind, uh, let's uh, pray to God, uh, preparing our hearts to come together and worship him. Please rise for our call to worship. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Let's continue uh, our worship now in the green hymnal 382, God himself is with us. is with us let us be 